Hi, everybody. Hi there. This is Holly. And Daniel. And you're listening to Halfway Saints. Um, hope everyone's had a good couple weeks. Mm-hmm. I know. We're on top of things. Yeah. We only hey. have been two weeks in between podcasts. Two. I can't remember the last time we did that. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you can't either, apparently. I always feel like it's less than two weeks between podcasts. That's what the problem is, is that I think that we'll have just yeah, done one. Right. Because it, but yeah. nope. this time we're but this around. Time, yeah. This that's time. accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we've had a pretty good couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, we had a nice weekend this weekend mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. some birthday parties well just one, oh yeah just one birthday party our neighbor's birthday party who mm-hmm. jack just idolizes yeah um so that was really sweet and um we had i was traveling at the end of the week so i got back friday, friday. afternoon mm-hmm. um so that was fun driving was no fun but that's all right i got to go down to dc which is always nice every time i go i see a different part of it oh yeah so that was nice it's like That's a puzzle. True. Well, because there are so many different little suburbs. Like, we've been to Georgetown and to Alexandria. Yeah, well, they're not really suburbs. Alexandria's a suburb. Georgetown's part of the city. Neighborhoods. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know very much about DC. Oh, I didn't. I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I talk out of my butt sometimes? I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's beautiful, beautiful weather in DC this time of year. <laughs> The elm trees are blooming. The cherry blossoms are <laughs> really pine coming The in. sequoias are towering <laughs> above the monuments. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, um, yeah, Daniel traveled two weeks ago, right? Two? Where? I don't remember. But you were gone. And I was like, oh, man, this is so hard. And then I was like, he's not going to have to travel again for a while. <laughs> and then last weekend, you were like, I'm... I might have to go to D.C. next week. The last travel was end of June. Again, my time, <laughs> time perception <laughs> was... is like, it's so fast. I know. I felt like those trips were back to back. No, it was a full, like, five weeks in between. No. Yes. Dang it. Well, sorry, everybody. <laughs> Story doesn't make any sense anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing makes any sense anymore. Uh uh, but also we, um, last weekend was the anniversary of, uh, when we lost Ren. Um, so, um, that was hard and we were able to celebrate Ren's life though in a really mm-hmm. beautiful way. So that was really nice. Yeah. I didn't know how to bring that up. So I just kind of did it. <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah. That was, um, we celebrated on August 4th mm-hmm. and it was the, you know, it's been a year or so and Holly and I wanted to to do something to kind of commemorate that day. And we weren't really sure what it was, but I think the day ended up being, being really good. Yeah. We didn't really plan it. Super. Mm-hmm. We didn't, we still didn't know what to do on the day of, um, but we went to the cemetery and prayed at Ren's grave and the boys blew kisses to Ren, which mm-hmm. is just adorable and so sweet and spent the rest of their time trying to cheer us up. Yeah, which is absolutely so sweet. Yeah, whenever we're like upset, Jack like really wants to try to cheer us up, and so he thinks the best way to cheer us up is to act super silly and like make silly noises and like like, hit himself in the head. (laughs) It's it's really endearing because he's like 
he's like, all right, I got to bring out my best material to yeah. cheer them up. It's really, it's just such a gift. Yeah. Um, and so it was a really peaceful time. Mm. It was very good. Um, and then afterward, we went over to a city that we like to visit a lot called Media mm-hmm. and um, had dinner there. And the weather was beautiful and dinner was delicious and the kids were great. Mm-hmm. So we were able like to both feel sorrow and joy yeah. around the anniversary. And we both kind of, I think we both kind of landed here um, without really intending to, but we kind of celebrated it like we would any feast day. Mm-hmm. And we kind of explained that to the boys and we were saying, yeah, we're celebrating Ren because Ren's in heaven and Ren's praying for us. And I think Jack asked, does, does everybody do that? We're like, no, it's just for our family. So I don't know. That made me feel like we we're making a good connection for them. Yeah. Like, like he knows everyone celebrates Christmas, but not everyone celebrates his name day and no right. so like it was he knows it's a yeah special he knows time. it's a special one yeah so that was mm-hmm. i thought it was really sweet though that he thought everybody yeah like mm-hmm. we all celebrate when you know the immaculate conception right so obviously everyone's <laughs> gonna celebrate ren's day too so that was really sweet mm-hmm. but it was very it was again as always whenever we reflect on ren it was a very love we felt very loved mm-hmm. um and then I've been super busy with work. Oh, Like super, yeah. well, because there's this baby coming. <laughs> <laughs> and I have all these projects that I have to finish before the baby comes. So my parents were so gracious and without any, like, it was completely their idea. Um, they decided to fly up here and take care of the boys for three days. Mm-hmm. Well, two and a half, two and a half days. And they were so excited about it that they made t-shirts. <laughs> And they go by Q and Poppy, and they say Q and Poppy summertime adventures or summer adventure days. Yeah. And it says August 2018. And that's because my sister is a graphic designer and can mm-hmm. get shirts printed. But it was just so thoughtful and so kind. And I got to work for a guaranteed amount of time, which was just bananas for me. I actually got really lonely. <laughs> I kept telling my mom it was just me and Alexa <laughs> or Amazon Echo. <laughs> Um, but I got a lot lot of work done, which Mm. felt really good and I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. So I'm really thankful. Yeah. And the boys had a lot of fun. We were a little nervous that they would. The change in routine. The change. Yeah. But they were, they were great. I know. They didn't care at all about leaving me, (laughs) leaving me in the morning. I was afraid they were going to start crying and be like, no, we want to stay with mommy. But they're like, no, we are going with Q and Poppy on our adventure. Yeah. I think it helps that they're together. I forget that they like. They've that always helps been, them. They've, mm-hmm. yeah, they've always been together. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that does help. Yeah. So it's been like kind of a whirlwind of a couple weeks, but yeah, um, all in all, we're doing great. Mm-hmm. We got seven. Yeah. Six, six and a half ish weeks mm-hmm. of pregnancy left. Well, Holly does. Um, <laughs> uh, pray for me because I'm mm-hmm. starting to get into the very un- uncomfortable phase. <laughs> the cartoonish phase. <laughs> I got into bed last night. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> I, was like <laughs> I was like in the bathroom and I was like, is Holly doing that to get my attention? Like, is she like, seriously, that's the noise she's making? It sounds like. I waited my whole day until I could get laid down on that bed and it was so great. Oh. But um, I'm also in the absurd phase of how I look because mm-hmm. I carry babies apparently in a very strange way where they're straight out front. Yeah. You can't tell from behind me if I'm pregnant. And so people just want to talk to me about that all the time. And I have to be very charitable. 
So uh, do pray for us because it's it's also really hard for everyone, almost everyone you meet, to be like, when are you gonna like when are you gonna have that baby? You're so close, right? No, guys. We're like we're pushing October. <laughs> <laughs> Still at least a month left. So. Um, yeah, that's where we're at though, mm-hmm. but still feeling very good. Um, yeah. So last episode, you got to hear a little bit about me and real quick. <laughs> okay. It's Holly's turn <laughs> to hear Holly's story. Um, but after recording last week, I realized I didn't talk about any kind of like, I don't know, like intellectual conversion. Like it was, it was just sort of like, here's things that happened. Um, so I left that part out. So maybe... I did put a lot of thought into returning to the church. It wasn't just like, well, I'm here. I'm going to stay here kind of a thing. Um, so maybe maybe one day we'll do a Why I'm Catholic podcast or something. Yeah. You also left me out. We talked about that a little bit. What? Your vault? What? You, cause, I know. I'm just oh. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you're really putting me in a weird position here. No, you also, yeah. So, yeah, hopefully you'll hear a little more about that with Holly's story. But yeah. there was more to it than me just, like, showing up at Mass and staying. <laughs> you did a good job last time. Like, I was just... There's my, so many dimensions right. to your story. In my mind, it was just, like, like points, like, events that happened, not necessarily what was going on internally. So I am not very good at uh, doing what Daniel did, where taking points and telling a story. So I made myself a little list. I tried to organize it, so we'll see how, how yeah, it goes. It's fine. It's, it's only great. it's only fifteen handwritten pages. <laughs> I'm <getting> close. <laughs> I also can't bullet point things. I literally can't. I'm tr- through my whole life, like all through co- or school, when you have to make outlines of store or s- books that you read and stuff. I literally yeah. just do full summaries. <laughs> just word for word. Pretty much. I, it's so hard for me to summarize, and you guys can tell by the way that I tell stories. I just tell every aspect of everything. You would have made a great like monastic who's just copying man- manuscripts all day. I would love that. I love uh, transcribing. I just saw on a Facebook <laughs> I'm a part of, like, who likes to transcribe? Because I have to do this for a client, oh. and who would want to do it? And I was like, maybe I would want to do that. <laughs> maybe it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got a new job right now. That's crazy. <laughs> also, no, no one was offering you a job. No, that's what it was. Oh, that's it what was, it was. Like a, looking oh. for someone to do oh, it. Oh, I thought it was like, who likes doing this? Like a hobby suggestion. Oh, no. It was it was like a paid job <laughs> oh. to get it done. I know. So anyway, yes, tonight you're going to hear my, my side of the story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. My story. Um, but so I also was... What? <laughs> I also uh, was born in... No, no. <laughs> I'm off to a really bad start. Okay. <laughs> it was a dark night. <laughs> no, no. Okay. I was born in North Carolina. Um, and my family growing up, we were like technically Christian. Um, we didn't really talk about it a lot at home. But um, we did go to church, like, on Christmas and Easter, and I went to, like, the church kindergarten, and in all my elementary school was at, like, a private Christian academy. But something that always, like, I don't know, it's, like, something that I, that meant a lot to me was that when I was a year and a half, I had spinal meningitis, which, like, I almost died. Like, they had to helicopter me to a hospital, 
Um, I didn't know you had to be like... Yeah, airlifted. Wow. I know, it was serious. Yeah. They were, like, I think my dad... Okay, I forgot to tell you all this, but my dad was grew up Catholic, but didn't... Like, we never really talked about his faith, and he didn't attend Mass during my childhood. And, um... But I think that a priest came to, like, prepare him for, like, my death. Oh, really? Like, they were ready for me to die. Like, mm. it was, like, a real miraculous re- recovery. And so that, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty important. Yeah, And so, so. Um, it happened when I was a year and a half, but knowing that that had happened always meant, like, a lot to me. And for some reason, um, that made me, like think that I had this, like, destiny or this fate, because, like, I beat spinal meningitis. I what? thought you were going to say superpower. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can, if somebody tells you all the details of something, you can remember it instantly. <laughs> oh, it's so true. But um, I remember, like, there was... There was this little bear that we had that I had when I was in the hospital at spinal meningitis. And just, like, really, it was, like, just this big part of uh, who I was. I, like, really, like, put it into my identity. And then, um, ever like, Christianity and church was, like, always in the periphery. And I went to that uh, Christian academy when I was younger. And then it wasn't until fifth grade when um, this girl moved in down the street from me. And um, she was, like, my first... Well, we became best friends, and she didn't want to be my friend. Did you know that? She did not want to be my friend. I think I remember you telling me that. I would, like, knock on her door, and she would run to her room, and her mom would have to force her out (laughs) to come play with me. But they had just moved, so it's fine. I understand. (laughs) She was a little nervous. But but she was the first, like, real Christian. Like, their family was, like, really Christian um, that I had ever met, and we became real, like, really close best friends. And so... Um, that shaped me a lot in my understanding of Christianity. I remember one time we were playing outside and like we threw the Bible and wanted it to just open up on the page and like the Lord is speaking to us through this page, but it never was anything like, you know, just list of just like silly things, cleansing practices. For- <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. No, we did sometimes open up to like lamentations or something. Like, oh, I don't think so. Let's do it again. But, um, I didn't understand really what it was, but I definitely knew, like, to be a good person, like, to be kind and generous to each other and um, knew, like, the morality of it um, and definitely knew that there was, like, like love was at the center of, of everything. Um, but I remember going through confirmation. I see you reading through my notes. You can't do I'm that. Not. You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> I'm always really stingy with my notes with Daniel, and I, I see him over well, like, here. If we're both reading a book, Holly the whole time is like covering it up. Don't read ahead. Don't read ahead. Because <laughs> he does. He denies it, but he does. Yes. What church did you get confirmed in? Well, t- have I mentioned that yet? You, yeah. It's just because you read ahead. No, it's because you said when you were confirmed. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the church that we attended, like for Christmas and Easter, was a, a Lutheran church, like a traditional Lutheran church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember going through confirmation in middle school, and um, being afraid to ask this question of like, but what does it mean that Jesus died for us? Like they kept talking about Jesus dying for us, but I was like, but what does it mean? I don't understand. Like, it didn't make any sense to me. But everyone was talking about it, like, so nonchalantly that I should know. And so I was too embarrassed because it was this really... I didn't like the youth pastor there. He was kind of creepy. 
But um, then I went into high school. I got confirmed, even though I didn't understand what Jesus <laughs> did for she me. She did so well, she went straight to high school. <laughs> <after that. laughs> but I went into high school. And um, my freshman year, I heard about this uh, thing called Young Life. And um, everyone went to Windy Gap, which was the camp that you went on with all of my friends. And every came, everyone came back talking about it. And I was like, okay, I guess I, I'll go. And that's where I met you. Kind of. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> You're so confident. I would have believed you. <laughs> we met each other at school. Yeah. Where we got to know each other. Where we got to know each other. But, um... Young Life was the first place that, like, answered that question for me. Like, what does it mean that Jesus died for me? And um, that is how, like, that summer, uh, we went to summer camp through Young Life. And that's where I decided to, uh, like, become, like, a real, like, I really decided to give my life to Christ. And to see, like, how um, Jesus, like, being a Christian is having a relationship with Je- with Jesus was a really big turning point for me that we could be friends with Jesus. And something that led, that really uh, brought me into young life was that I had just like this super uh, like firm understanding of high school of being like drinking and like like, (laughs) partying. There were all these movies that I watched where like your parents are out of town and everyone just takes over your house without asking for parties. It happens. It's inevitable. It's legal in most states. If your parents are out of town, so people can come over and have a party. I mean like that they could take advantage of you. So if my parents were ever out of town, I would never tell anybody (laughs) because I was so scared they would come over and have a party at my house. Without my permission. I also remember you being really scared that people were going to make you crowd surf at concerts. Yes. <laughs> like it was mandatory. These were real fears. And because I'm so small, people, <laughs> people would pick me up. I just knew it. But I had just like this idea, especially of like drinking in high school would be like such a, and I think they had prepared me so well to not drink it in high school. It was like such a terrifying thing for me. But that at Young Life, you could have fun without drinking. It was like this big thing for me to understand. Like, oh, it's possible to have fun and love Jesus too. Like, you don't have to be this shrewd. You can actually... Shrewd? No, shrewd is fine. <laughs> okay. I was just thinking about like, no kids, Jesus could be cool. Like, turn your hat on backwards <laughs> and skateboard away. <laughs> but it really was. Like, Young Life was so fun. Yeah. And we would just laugh and laugh and laugh when we would go... Uh, go there because they had skits and they had games and they were hilarious and um you could just feel the life of the people of the leaders and then of the kids who are going there um and i definitely wanted a part of that and i loved all of the fun that they were having it was a really big part of it and um looking at my notes i'm sorry um so then in college I went out to college I went to school I went to art school in Savannah Georgia and I just knew like I was I was really aspirational um I've always been that way like in high school I knew what my career path was going to be I knew everything and so in young life I like was a really big young life kid was super active did campaigners which was the bible study I was what did they call it whenever you were like a junior like a high school leader I don't know if that was, like, an official thing. But I would go to leadership meetings, yeah. like, with the college with the right. college leaders. Yeah. I would go to them. 
And then I remember one time we had a like a end of the year picnic for all the leaders and they all got backpacks and I was like I went up to um our area leader and was like, Hey, I didn't get a backpack. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I was like really full of myself. But um and then a different leader gave me their backpack. Oh. And I look back on that so embarrassed. That's yeah. terrible. But he's like, Remember the time that girl stole my backpack? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would say if I was him. But um so I was like really like definitely wanted to be a young life leader in college because I was like a young life, almost a leader in high school and um... <laughs> forced away into it. <laughs> Got the backpack and everything. I really did though, um, but in college I definitely wanted to do it. And um, when the like group of other college students who were joining joining Young Life leadership at that time were like my best friends. And we had just this amazing community um, or sense of community in college. And we all became young or most of us became Young Life leaders. And then we were just like really, really living um, like discipleship and living life with Christ. And it was a like the first time I'd ever seen community as like this real thing. Um, you forgot about me too. Oh yeah, I did. You didn't mention we started dating. Well, I said we, I said we met we at met. Young Life. Right. <laughs> I said false information. <laughs> yeah. So Daniel and I really like started dating after I, um, went, went after we both went to camp, mm-hmm. um, and where I gave my life to Christ. And then, um, two weeks later you gave, <laughs> or you decided to be a Christian in more or less terms. Right. But, um. Yeah, so we started dating. It's so funny that we started dating, like, right whenever we both became, like, real Christians. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, I don't know. I think that's more what brought us together. Yeah. Like, we spent time together there. And we, but we, it's just been, like, a journey together yeah. this whole time. That we've, like, been bouncing ideas off each other and growing together. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Um. So sorry that I missed that. So Daniel then... It's easy to forget. I know. <laughs> now I understand. Uh, but so Daniel was in school in Atlanta, and I was in Savannah. But we both obviously are from the same hometown in North Carolina. But when I was in Savannah um, doing Young Life, community was like this huge focus for me. Like community, community, community. And like we would talk about building our community and like what does it mean for us to be a community and like how do we treat each other and like friendships and... You know, it's just always this topic of conversation. It was like a huge focus for me in understanding Jesus as community. And um, I got to see like what what relationship with Jesus could look like in community. So like the way that I was loving my friends in school or in college um, would be the way that Jesus loves me. Like I was very much tied into that. Um, but I still had a lot of questions because obviously I was really new to it. Oh, in high school, like while I was going to Young Life and all of, like, I gave my life to Christ after my freshman year and never attended, like did not go to church still. Like I just would go to Young Life every week. I'd go to Bible study every Friday and then I would, um, read a lot of books. I read a lot of books about it. Um, a lot of Max Lucado, mm-hmm. Luckadoo, Lucado. I think it's Lucado. Lucado. My mom says luck do. <laughs> She's got a knack for pronouncing things slightly different. <laughs> um, but I read a lot of his story or books. Um, and that was like, that was my church was all of those things were just church instead of going to like an actual church. 
Um, but I had a lot of questions because I wasn't, you know, I was still pretty new to the faith. Going to, in college, going to this like non-denominational Protestant church um, was the first time I'd ever seriously gone. So I was very, very new to actual like theology or any kind of depth to the faith um, other than just reading my Bible. Um, but most of my questions weren't really being answered or even addressed in the church that I went to. Or um, when I asked my friends, they didn't totally have answers, even though they were like radically living for Christ. Um, and so I kind of just focused on that. And it was like, these questions aren't, they'll kind of resolve themselves, I guess, or I don't really know how I reconciled it. I do remember one time we were walking and it was like late at night and one of my best friends from school, uh, she brought up this question to me that stuck with me. Wait, no. Well, I forgot a really big thing from high school. Oh, man, this is okay. back and back. forth. But I do remember in high school, this is not in the same line at all. But in high school, I remember uh, one of my friends, Hannah, during Spanish class, uh, asked me this question, like, what do you think heaven is like? I don't remember why she asked me that question, but whatever. That's probably why you don't know any Spanish. <laughs> 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 for real go though guys i took spanish from second grade until eighth grade and then made all the way made it all the way up to like spanish four or yeah something. you took like four years of spanish in high school and i cannot remember any of it <laughs> not like s- silly stuff but daniel knows more spanish than I, do, than I do it's so embarrassing anyway um hannah asked me during spanish class what do you think heaven is going to be like and i said um I think that heaven is going to be like um, everyone is having sex with one another. Like that's per- that's bluntly. That's what I said. And I remember being one surprised that I said that <laughs> to someone else, and two surprised that that's what I thought. But thinking did, back on it, it makes sense. Did like, you mean it like in terms of intimacy or communion? Yeah, like, communion. Okay. So, um, and I remember like whenever she asked it, and I my answer was like, okay, so. So bear with me here. <laughs> I think it's going to be like everyone having sex with each other. Well, I think it, it mostly came from the idea just that like that it's utter joy. Yeah. And like just so, so good. Mm-hmm. So that's what my sure. 15-year-old self said. Yeah. I mean. Like, but I'm looking back on it, I'm like, that's kind of profound. Yeah. I, don't, I can't believe that I said that. <laughs> also to just another human being. That's kind of weird. Yeah, that's kind of, I mean, she's probably like. Did you finish the Spanish homework? <laughs> You're like, do you think heaven's going to be like everyone having sex with them, each other? Oh, gosh, that's so weird. But so... <laughs> you were pretty bad at Spanish. She maybe misunderstood if she asked in Spanish. No, she did it. It was a real real question. Um, okay, so back... Just, just put that in your pocket for later. <laughs> File that one away. But so back to being in college and being a young life leader and in my community, my best friend, um, she looked at me one night and we were like walking together and it was like real nonchalant, but she just asked, um, do you, um, do you think, like, do you ever think about how, uh, every generation like thinks that they get it better than the last generation, like that the, the generation before us got the gospel like so wrong, but we're getting it so right. And I don't remember what I said to it or how the conversation flowed afterward, but, like, that is so true. 
And I remember thinking, that, I don't that perception. That perception. That, like, you finally figured it out. Yeah. Yeah, and thinking that that's so true. But then now thinking about thinking about it in retrospect, like that's one of the things that I love about the church is that like we don't think that we have it all, all right, and we only go back not only, but we. Uh, go back to the generations who have come before us and trust them very mm-hmm. much to like in the foundation of our understanding of the gospel, which I think is really cool. Yeah. So that's been poked out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, but through this whole time, obviously Daniel and I are, are dating um, and dating and knowing that you want to get married to one another uh, from about junior year of high school forward definitely comes with it. Ch- it's challenges. So um, I mentioned that I had a lot of questions that weren't being answered. And one of my biggest ones was why we had to wait for marriage. Like I trusted it. We did. To, but like. For what? Oh, for sex. To rent a car again. <laughs> <laughs> why well, we had to wait for marriage to have sex. Okay, let's just be real. <laughs> um, but like if we were as committed to each other as we were, like we were definitely going to get married. This was not like non-negotiable. This we were in it to win it. <laughs> so, like, what would be the difference between that day versus the day after or the night of us getting a piece of paper that says that? Like, it didn't make sense to me. And especially when, like, you could look at Old Testament things and there's, like, I don't know, uh, wives being given as dowry. Like, so it's, like, not this – or not dowry, but I don't remember exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There were things in the Old Testament where I was like, look, see, they weren't married and they did it. Right. Things. Yeah. I don't remember specifics, but um, I was really, <laughs> I was really looking into this question. <laughs> <laughs> she had like a big bulletin board with strings and newspaper clippings all over it. It occupied a lot of my time. And I asked a lot of my like really trusted friends and like the girl, the young life leader who was my camp cabin counselor at um when i gave my life to christ like i asked her she didn't have an answer for me i asked my friend who talked about the generation thing and she was all for it she was gonna buy me lingerie to to then go and hang out with you to seduce me (laughs) no she was like so on board with it she was like yes you're committed this makes sense like you definitely should it just goes to show you that like even if you think you know things you don't (laughs) But um, because even she looking back today would be like, what was I thinking? (laughs) But um, we never, thankfully, we didn't uh, pull the trigger on that. But uh, (laughs) but even like my the the my best or my friends that I saw who were living just like such a discipleship like life with Christ, like in union with Christ, didn't have answers for these questions, uh, was like frustrating. Mm And I wish I could say that the church just stepped in and had all the answers for me for that question, but it didn't really. We didn't know. I mean, we just didn't know where to look. Because, like, I wish we had Chris, Christopher West. I wish we had read I know. him or, like, listened to his speaking or something. But well, you know it's what's, a different world. You know right what's there. interesting is I still think this is, like, a, a question people have in Protestant churches. Because yeah. if you, I think, I've, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but Relevant Magazine, mm-hmm. which is, um, like, a Christian magazine, but leans pretty heavily protestant they like their weekly like article output like 30 percent is about like being single or getting married or like what do you do when you're single and like another 30 percent is about like sex and marriage and what and then like 
the articles are all about like sex and marriage and being single and getting married. Is it okay to be single and what, like what you should do? Like it's very much a question. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like and especially I think this uh, publication. It's people from kind of different, all in this sort of same evangelical Protestant circle. Circle, but like coming at it from different perspectives, and it's. Like, they could write a new article every week because someone has this perspective on it, this perspective on it. It's definitely, I think, an unanswered question and one that, like, kind of without, like, the church's teaching on it, you really can't get to a good answer. Yeah, you can't – you literally can't verbalize it. Yeah. It doesn't – like, you trust it and it makes sense in your mind, but you can't verbalize. Well, at least that's what I was struggling with. It was Mm -hmm. like, I can't put it into words why – you shouldn't, but you sh- you shouldn't have sex before marriage. Right. And I was going to say the, the reason why. Or are you going to get to that? Oh. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of get to that, but I don't want to stray too far from my timeline. Okay. You can. There is an answer. It's yeah. because It's because sex and procreation are connected. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the church teaches you ought to be married and committed and experience the sacrament of marriage and that the sort of fruit of that is is sex and procreation and children and all flows out of that. Yeah. I think there's, there's just more to it. Yeah. There's so much more. Right. But I think my like nugget to give would be what? I was going to say, so like obviously you and I are in this relationship together. <laughs> We're both <laughs> like thinking about this. And I remember being like in college saying to my roommate, like, well, like, Sex and children are related, so I don't think you should have sex until you're ready to have kids. And that's that was, like, true. a very, like, rudimentary yeah, understanding of that. I, like, in, like, a theological sense, I really love how, like, uh, the Trinity is um, a, something that made it... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing, but it's not no, a... When I became Catholic, one of the, the biggest things that blew my mind and we i think it happened even on the our podcast that daniel put it into words for me but was that like um god doesn't happen to look like fathers this is how like you framed it that mm-hmm. blew my mind god doesn't happen to look like fathers and that like fathers are just like this happenstance thing mm-hmm. but that fathers look like god and like that's the whole world is that mm-hmm. is that sentiment that like it's not just like God's coming down into like our world and like hap- like speaking our language and like um, coming down so that we can understand Him. It's that He built within us Himself. We're made in the image and likeness likeness of Him. Mm-hmm. So looking at the tr- like Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you see Father, Son, and it, through their love for each other, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so like it's uniting yourself to. In, like in union with God and like the, the love of, of God through each other. Mm-hmm. So it's like participating in that and you just can't get into that intimacy that they have mm-hmm. until you're within the sacrament of marriage. Right. Yeah. Like marriage offers you like a glimpse of what that is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that's the sacramental life that like really drew me in. But so Back to um, not having the answer, not we'll having that it, answer. We'll do it like the summa, and you'll state your oh my gosh. your statement, and then the the objections, and then you'll answer it. Then you go back and address the objections. For anyone who doesn't know that he's like talking about the format of the summa, 
Theologica? Theologica? <laughs> Theologica. <laughs> By St. Thomas Aquinas, which is a great resource, but it's very confusing the way that it's formatted. Yeah. To me. <laughs> anyway. Um, so it wasn't fully answered. But I... Um, it did lead me to reading this book called Sex God by Rob Bell. What? I thought it was by Francis Chan. No, it's not. Oh, I've never not? read anything by oh, Francis Chan. Okay. It's so funny that you say that because just this morning I was like, I feel like I should read something by Francis Chan because people, like so many of my friends, really relate to what he ends up being, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Francis I.S. What Francis Chan has said, so it's so funny that you say that. But yeah. no, it was by Rob Bell, who has since been like <laughs> <laughs> heavily criticized for lots heavily of criticized for being like universalist and whatnot. But in that book, he brought to light how God is in relation with us, relationship with us in such an intimate way that we could be intimate with Him as well, and that that in like in general relationships matter. And this is so tied into my, like, love of community and how friendship with Jesus is fun and, like, that it's, like, just just pursuing joy and just, like, um, just utter joy in Christ. <laughs> I just can't think of other words, but. Yeah. I was going to do, I was going to list some synonyms, but just. We're good. Fine. I we're think good. the point is, has been made. But, um. It really meant a lot to me that he pointed out the fact that because of God and the way that he, and I don't totally remember how he verbalized or wrote about it. Um, <laughs> it was where he came, he just came over and said it all. <laughs> um, how he really tied it together. I should, I was going to look back at this before I, um, we recorded, but it's fine. <sighs> but um, he was talking about how Jesus like loves us and because he loves us our relationships matter not only just with each other but also to all of like to everything to the objects around us to so many things and so that actually like that was my sophomore year or junior I think it was my junior year of college that I read that book because that book informed my uh my art that I was making and it and I was so interested in how like sustainability and how like the objects around us really matter. And it was all because of this book, which is so silly because it's a, it's kind of a silly book, but I mean, if I, you, I do, dove a lot into it. And it like, from like an artistic perspective, much of art is driven by like a philosophical movement. Yes. And so it's very much driven by that. And so I was um, <clears throat> with my artworks, I was very much talking about like getting to know the maker behind the thing the things that you have, um, you know, artisan made, local, like that whole um, mentality and trying to just infuse that into my work, which is really interesting because both the pieces that came out of like that immediately following semester are what I make now for my yeah. my work. So that's pretty cool. But um, I was going to say something else about it. I can't remember. It wasn't in my notes. <laughs> um but all the while, like, through this whole thing, oh, I forgot to mention that uh, as a Young Life leader during this all this community and the greatness that I was having within Young Life, um, I was placed at an all-girls Catholic school where, like, I literally wish I went there <laughs> the whole time. Like, the, 
the, these girls had such a freedom about them because it was an all-girls school. And there was something about it that, like, really, really drew me in. Um, and I think that it's really providential that I was set there. They couldn't really answer any of my theological questions either. And I was probably creating more of them for them. But um, it was a really interesting, it's just a really interesting point. Um, but all the while, I'm also attending mass with Daniel. Like any time that we're visiting each other or back home for breaks, um, I was going to mass. And I had a lot of questions about it and I was super resistant to it. And one thing that I, um, you brought to light because of the work, because of the stuff that you were studying was like how much of an anti-Catholic perspective I had without realizing it and how much like of the rhetoric that was going on in like my, within my circle of friends and within Young Life and within the church that I was going to, that was very, very anti-Catholic, pretty much, um, equating the Catholics to the Pharisees. Like, Catholics are just trying to get work, like, do work for their um, salvation, and they're just, like, always getting it wrong, you know. Um, but I remember after Mass one time, I was reflecting with you about the Eucharist, and I was, like, and this was, like, after reading a Sex God, I said, the Eucharist um, is kind of, like, intimacy with God, like, to be in union with, with Him. And it was, like, at that like, after that day, I was like, oh, yeah, the Eucharist is, I get it. Like, that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. Um, and. Because it kind of plugged into, like, your initial idea of, like, what what heaven is, like, what the right. vision is. And it's this, like, intense intimacy and intercommunion. Intimacy. Yeah. So what <laughs> I was having in Young Life and through my Protestant world was, like, very much community-driven and friendship-driven, where I was being shown um, the intimacy that's within the Catholic Church um, through those little visits with you and through, like, asking you questions and stuff. Um, And I loved, too, like, oh, so I was coming from a, like, friendship and community thing, and I was going into, or, like, a friend of Jesus and moving into more of, like, a lover of Jesus. Um, But it's funny that the Eucharist was, like, not a big thing for me. Like, that was, like, the first thing I was, like, yep, I like that. (laughs) You're on board with that. Yeah, because it also was after I asked you, like, the very common question, like, but isn't Jesus's death enough? Like, why is that? Why would we have to do it over and over and over again? And your answer that, like, God is without time and that it's not a new sacrifice every week. It's the same sacrifice that we're entering into at that time, it just like clicked, totally clicked. And I was like, yes. Oh, so when I talk a lot, I get out of breath, <laughs> especially because I'm really pregnant. <laughs> but um, also I, I was really into community. And so I loved how like Catholic was very, very community oriented. Like the fact that I was reading the same readings in, uh, I was in Atlanta probably, in Atlanta as they would be in Salisbury or Savannah and in Rome and in Paris, like all across and in Africa, like mm-hmm. literally everyone in the world within the Roman Rite right. are reading the same readings. Like that blew my mind. <laughs> and thinking about it now, like that's such a big thing for me because it creates movements. Like the spirit is moving us as a whole world together through scripture in like We'll listen to different podcasts and they'll touch on similar things. We're like, oh, isn't that so interesting? Mm-hmm. No, it's not because we just all read this. <laughs> That's not interesting at all. <laughs> like, 
not that no, well, it's, it's expected right, because we're sense. all reading mm-hmm. the same scripture. So I that was like one thing that I really, really loved. And um, I also really attached myself to like just the idea that like this was what the first disciples and apostles were doing. And it's just succeeded since then into what we have now. It's grown and it's developed and it's matured through ages and ages. But this is the same as the first. And so I remember one of my friends was like, I just don't understand the communion thing. I just don't understand how bread could like be Jesus. And I was like, well, that's what the first disciples did. So <laughs> that's it. Yeah. If anyone's going to understand it, you know, be those who knew Christ personally. Right. And I mean, physically. Yes. Um, but yeah, like th- you can't really say much to that, that like, yeah, it's the first, it's what they were doing. So why would we do anything other than that? Um, and so from there, I just fell like deeper and deeper into love with the church, um, mostly through the theology of the body without knowing what the theology of the body was, um, which is really cool because now I like think the theology of the body is like the coolest thing in the world. Um, <laughs> And what brought me and still brings me into the church is just how bodily it is. How, like, mind, soul, and body, I am worshiping the Lord. And it's, like, through everything that I was experiencing before I became Catholic was missing something. And it was like, well, what do I do with this thing that I have that's arms and legs and a head? Like, oh, it can also be used for this? Like, oh, it also can be redeemed? Oh, it's like, there's so much good that can come from it? Where before I was thinking it was so evil and so bad. It just was really uh, groundbreaking for me. Um, and then that, just that it encompasses like every part of me um, made it such an intimate encounter with him. Like I love thinking about the Catholic faith as like in him, through, what is it? Through him, with him, and in him. Mm-hmm. Is, that, <clears throat> is that scriptural or is it just part of the Mass? Um, I think it might just be in the Mass. I don't remember anywhere that is it's like each of i'm sure in the bible it says through him with him and in him in some <laughs> okay <laughs> yes you're gonna you're gonna get that specific <laughs> no but i love the like um something like when we lost ren last year my one of the i had a lot of like things that really stood out to me to cope with the with the loss but um the biggest one for me was just to be hidden in the wounds of jesus mm-hmm. And that carnal understanding of unity with Christ that I could hide myself in his wounds. Like, I'm a very visual person, so I literally vision myself crawling into the cut on his side on the cross. So I could, so I could be one with him in this wound is the mo- one of the most, like, intimate things I've ever had. And it was only through that suffering that I could understand that and that I could really be united with him. And it was it's this understanding of... Um, unity with Jesus and like through him with him and in him and like you hear St. Paul talk and throughout all of the gospels but a lot in St. Paul talking or Paul's letters um talking about in Jesus in Christ we are new in him so like what does it mean to be in Christ we are intimate with Christ like we are one with him in union with him in this incredible incredible way and it it's only through the catholic faith that i see that i don't see that anywhere else i see i see really 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 close friendship with christ elsewhere and i see love of christ elsewhere 
but this unity and this oneness with Christ I only see in the church and it's because we have the Eucharist where we are physically one with Christ and that is where I'm never going back like (laughs) after having that unity with him I mean it just could um it could blow my mind every single day for the like for the rest of my life but it's that's how like amazing it is like I would never understand it but Mm -hmm. it's going to be equally intimate and there's no other words between or besides uh intimate unity and one (laughs) but that's just what it is um and I remember when we were first married I think Daniel talked about this on in his story but just that we we didn't have a lot of friends when we were first married and so we listened to a lot of podcasts which really formed our theology and one that really, really formed my understanding of this, especially this in him and especially in a scriptural way, was this podcast by uh, Dr. Taylor Marshall. That was like new perspectives on Paul. Yeah. Um, and he goes through Paul's letters and talks about like there is some Protestant movement that was talking about a new perspective yeah, on Paul. Yeah, I forgot the theologian's name. N.T. Wright, I think. Okay. Um, and Dr. Taylor Marshall was like, no, this is the real perspective on Paul. Right. Um, and this it's is... this participation theology and that we are able to participate in Christ's sacrifice. And so I kind of skipped ahead here a little bit, but like I I was hesitant and I like dragged my feet to become actually become Catholic. But I think it was because of that rhetoric that I was talking about before that like I didn't like none of my friends were Catholic and they didn't. It was just this weird thing where we didn't really talk about it. They didn't talk about the fact that I was dating this Catholic. They didn't talk about how I would go to mass all the time. And we didn't talk about like all these uh, questions that we, that I had, or like, I didn't ask, I don't know. I think it was mostly on me now that I think about it. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I should have been way more, and actually thinking, no, thinking back on it, I should not have been more open about it. Because every instance where someone asked me some theology thing and I didn't have the answer, my answer was out of my bottom and, <laughs> and terrible. <laughs> Completely false. Completely false. I remember when one of them, they asked, what does it mean if a, ro- if a church out, out front says like a Roman Catholic church versus a Catholic church? And I was like, oh, that probably means that they take it like way more seriously than everyone else. <laughs> You're going to want to go to one of the Roman ones, <laughs> not just the regular ones. Like they're probably so just clear more... of those Catholic communities and go to a Roman Catholic <laughs> parish. <laughs> so stupid. Um, so. But to be fair, I'm sure if you, there are probably some cradle catholic so you asked that they would i know be, so don't it's be too true. hard on yourself yeah thank you i know i just said so stupid <laughs> myself. um that is one of my big regrets is that i could if i i just wish i could go back and take have better answers for those questions because there are good 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 answers but mm-hmm. <laughs> there are deeper ones besides just that one <laughs> <laughs> But, like, about Marian theology and about, yeah. you know, the Eucharist and things. But, um, yeah, I feel like um, my journey has been so much from, like, friend of Christ to then in communion with Christ uh, through, like, the community idea in college to then lover and wife of Christ. Um, and it was only in the church that I found 
I like I would have a question and the church would have an answer. Like there are so many churches that I would go to for an answer and they didn't really have one. And they were all it's because they were all starting from scratch two thousand years later. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but someone wrote at length about this. Yeah. Um, sixteen hundred years ago. Right. And formed a like who was closer to Christ then. Right. And who could better speak to the life of the Jew and the life of the Gentile at that time. So, um, I just, the, I feel like the Eucharist brought me in. I was trying to think about That's it what, and like, it makes sense. It, Cause it's the source and summit of Christian life. Yeah. And I think in mentioning how the church always has an answer, what kind of similar to me, I'm always kind of blown away by the, the fact that the, uh, is the internal consistency of the answers, mm-hmm. which is, is, it's kind of a crude way of putting it, but that like everything feeds into one another and like you can dive into like what is marriage and you end up at like a truth about baptism or you mm-hmm. can like, well, talk about the Eucharist and then like, oh, and that explains it's part of marriage. And I just mm-hmm. feel like it's just so like, it is the truth. So no matter what you kind of di- like, the truth is true. So like, if you dive into it, you're going to be led to other truths. Mm-hmm. Um, can I couple quick things okay so you actually you did go to mass by yourself for a, a while in Savannah. I did? yeah because you okay. went to the one on the island oh i remember that yeah yeah and i went to the one with the good music yeah, yeah. so you did and i think even before you started rcia you were I did. doing that mm-hmm. um so don't be too hard on yourself Thanks. you were Thanks. um and then i remember i don't remember when it was maybe it was after we'd gotten married or you'd already converted but you're on an airplane somewhere and I remember you were like taking off and it was like rumbly or something. You were nervous. And you're like, so I just started praying Hail Marys. And you're like, I didn't even know all the words to the Hail Mary. <laughs> I was just saying it. And I was like, yes, you're hooked. You're, you're Catholic. <laughs> oh, I will say too, um, this is something hard, but one of my young life girls actually passed away like the, I think the year after we were married. Um, and it was a really terrible, like she was murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was shocking and really, really difficult for me to understand and really, um, just a really hard situation. Um, but being Catholic at that time, I'm really thankful for it because it taught me the beauty of praying for souls Hmm. after they've gone. Um, and I remember that being a really, like, that was a really big change for me. Um, and a really big a big point where I was thankful for the church because mm. that gave me a lot of peace in a time of like utter um, confusion. Mm-hmm. And so um, there are times like that. And we said this too, whenever um, we lost Ren that like, we didn't, I'm trying to think of the right words, but we didn't know how, like we weren't, we were thankful at that time for our, the church's teaching because it prepared us for that time. Mm-hmm. And like that we would, it didn't shake our faith. It drew right. us closer into it because, um, I don't know, just our view of death is, that, and I one, one thing too about the Catholic church that I really, I only see within the church that I love is our pursuit of the eternal. And there's so much within just general culture, but especially in Protestant culture of like worldly good and that, and it, they're kind of just blind to it. Um, at least what, from what I, my experience, but, um, just to remember the eternal, like God is looking for your good and your good is not 
for you to be to have goods on earth or to have joy on earth it's for you to have joy in heaven and so for us to lose Ren is extremely, extremely difficult, but we have this joy in knowing that Ren is in heaven. Um, thanks to what we were already, t- like what was mm-hmm. already built into our faith. Right. <sighs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I think also like we, with, when we lost Ren, it was, it's like a lot to deal with and a mm-hmm. lot. And like, we were very lucky to have, um, people at the funeral home and our pastor and people to work with us. They're like, we'll, we'll take care of everything. Just kind of show up here. And like, um, you kind of said the other day, because when we went to visit the cemetery, like how, how glad you were that we, you know, had, had the funeral that we had a headstone made and like all this stuff that was like difficult and burdensome in many different ways. But being on the other side of it, we're like, we're both so thankful that we have that. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, we, we just kind of relied on the church mm-hmm. and like kind of in a spiritual sense, but also physically we're like, here, we our, can't handle yeah, this. Yeah. Like our pastor, like just took care of everything, mm-hmm. like help us. And like, I think that's just really beautiful. And for me kind of shows the, um, the, the permanence and sort of the, um, wisdom of the church that like you could be going through something like, and you can lean on the church and you may not really understand why or no, you know, think it all the way through but you entrusting in the church when you get on the other side of it you see that that was the right thing to do mm-hmm. you know like it kind of brings you through not always in a way where you're like intellectually like oh yeah i understand this this and this and it's mm-hmm. not until later on that you're like this is really beautiful and i'm glad that this happened mm-hmm. i'll say too like um like the authority of the church was something that i really trusted in because they're church is the only one that has the Eucharist. So <laughs> I was like, if they're right about that, then they're right about other things. And the more, and I think it was very easy for me to um, accept the authority of the church because they were the only ones who were giving me answers to these questions. But um, that also came with like, okay, I'm going to trust this church. Even we <clears throat> talked about this a couple episodes ago. We're going to trust this church, even though we have no friends, even though we have no <laughs> right. community right yeah. now, even though, we're going to mass at this church that makes us frustrated, even though like the music at this mass is terrible or, um, and at this moment, like we trust this church, even though there are scandals going on around Mm -hmm. it. Um, and we just know that, that Christ is in this church and that, um, that it truly, like, it's the only church that's truly living out the, like, Oh shoot, bride of the church. I was like, is it bride or bridegroom? Oh my gosh, <laughs> uh, the bride, the role of bride of the church. Um, bride of Christ. Yeah, <laughs> dang it. Christ is the bridegroom of the church. Right. Um, it's the church is the only church that's living out its role as bride of Jesus. Um, in its authority and in its like in in its actual truth within it. So it is a human institution and there are scandals and there are issues with uh, a lot of organizational stuff and whatnot, but it was very easy for me to focus on um, the truth and that, and that's what the church is. The church isn't like all of these things that are um, evil or lacking in anything aren't what the church, like they aren't what the, uh, the church embodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. The church is a divine institution made up of humans who are sinful and who do make mistakes. And it's always the best analogy is 
that I think of is like you would never like <clears throat> go to like a high school football game and like one team cheats or plays dirty and then say I'm giving up on football totally. Yeah. Cuz like sure they're they're football players, they're playing football even if an NFL team like I'm giving up cuz you know this team's terrible or whatever. Like you're you understand that the game is bigger than the people playing it. Mm-hmm. So like the church is bigger than the people in it. Mm-hmm. And it's been, you know, um Judas was a priest and a bishop mm-hmm. and he screwed up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So like from the very founding of the church they've been people who have failed in their roles as pastors and bishops and priests. So mm-hmm. um, it's not anything new. And it's, you know, we, I, the phrase that's been coming to my mind um, a lot in the past few weeks is like, where, it, where else would we go? You have the um, words of everlasting life. Mm-hmm. Like the church has the Eucharist. It's, it's the steward of the sacraments, you know, there are sinful people in it. There are people who have made very poor errors, but the church is very old. And, you know, there we had three popes at one time, and there were anti-popes and fighting. And there's been, like, there wasn't, like, a time where it's like, oh, yeah, the church has everything figured out. It's super mm-hmm. well organized. There's no heretics in it. It's really great. So, um, but we have strength in the Eucharist, and we have unity in, with, in the Eucharist. Because the church isn't just the church on earth it's the saints in heaven as well um and the angels and you know that's what the church is we just see this small part of it which is um which can have flawed people in it but we just Mm -hmm. need to fix fix our eyes on jesus and like strive for heaven and the beatific vision and that's our that's our goal that's how we proceed yeah yeah so that's all i got that's it <clears throat> it wasn't good. as long as I thought it would be. No, I mean, it was pretty long. <laughs> but um, Not too terribly long. No, it was good. Hey, that was great. You have a great life. Hey, no. No, I have a great life because I get to live with you. Oh, my gosh. So, Thanks, sweetie. That's great. Um, so, yeah. So, if you have any questions for Holly or me or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, we haven't talked about this, so I'm just bringing it on you. Oh, boy. Um we were talking a while ago how about be how it would be really cool to do like a whole episode of us answering questions from listeners. Yes. So if you have any questions that you think would be good for us to discuss on the podcast, please send those our way. Uh-huh. Um, you can email us at halfway saints podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at halfway underscore saints. Like us on Facebook. Um, please pray for us and know that we are praying for all of you. And we'll See you next time. Yep, see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.